0: Here at Mercy Village Church, we are on a mission with Jesus to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone. There are eight distinctive evidences we believe we will see if we are truly on that mission. We are a peculiar people, and these are the shaping characteristics of Mercy Village Church. In high school, I grew up at a church in the west end of Huntington, Grace Gospel Church. I owe a debt of gratitude to a lot of people there. A lot of past in particular the youth pastor, the paid staff youth pastor. His name was Keith Weeby Jr. He's now the the lead pastor at, at Grace Gospel Church. He's my youth pastor. But there was a, a lot of volunteers on the youth group. And one of them was a man named Sean Wood, man. And I loved that guy. Loved that guy. He's, I mean, I haven't seen him forever. I just kept thinking of him this week as I was prepping this sermon. And I'm like, man, I, I need to find out where he's at, get a hold of him, thank that guy for, I mean, youth. If you've ever worked in a youth group, I mean, gosh, you talk about little reward. I mean, we're too stupid at that age to even thank you for what you're pouring into our lives. Like, we just, we don't know, but like, I'm so thankful for Sean Wood. One of the things that Sean would always say, and I didn't really get it completely, he'd always say to us, he'd say, stay where you are. Now, contextually, he'd say it kind of like, just matter of factly, not like, it wasn't like browbeating us, but it was just like, you know, he said it was some like chic wisdom, you know, like just stay where you are. We'd be talking about like, oh, I want to, I think I'm going to ask that girl to date me, you know, or whatever. And he'd look, at, he'd put his hand out. He'd be like, just, just stay where you are, you know. And I get it now. I really do. Like uh, it, it wasn't necessarily about our dating relationships or anything like that. It's just this idea that When you're that age, and now I have kids that are starting to be that way too, and I lived my life that way, always wanting what was next. The next thing, never satisfied to just be where I was. I think that's what Sean meant. Just be content where you are. Participate where you are. Don't be worried about the next thing yet. Just stay where you are. That connects to what we're talking about today, this is week six of our Peculiar People sermon series. We have eight distinctives. The list could be longer, but there's eight things that we believe are evidence that we are on mission to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone. You can see the others. We've come to number six today, living local. We want to be marked by that, that we're investing ourselves in the places where we where we are, Here's how we write it. Uh, you can read this. To, to put it simply, wherever God leads us, we will fully commit our lives in those places. On mission with Jesus as long as God keeps us there. We're going to see this unfold today. That This isn't just about Barbersville, Huntington, Milton, points Surrounding. This is about us as the people of God wherever we go. This is something we can value wherever we're at. But for us specifically in this community, this means we will missionally engage our communities. First, through investing our personal lives locally, by valuing relationships, leveraging our talents, and capitalizing on opportunities. Second, as a church, we will reach out corporately to our local area with creativity and intentionality. We'll do this with the goal of making Jesus known in our neighborhoods, leagues, businesses, events, schools, and wherever else we live, work, and play. We are committed to being all in where we are now in this place. Now, for Mercy Village Church, the prayer is that this entity, Mercy Village Church, this manifestation of the body of Christ, will remain in this place. You guys will, some of you will come and go. God will call you out to other places, on to other places. You can carry this value, this distinctive with you as you go. Not exclusive to this area. It's exclusive to you individually saying, where I am, I will be all in. So today, wherever God leads you, be all in where you are on mission with Jesus. That's what we want to talk about. Father, what we know not, please teach us. What we are not, please make us. And what we have not, please give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We'll go back to verses 9 and 11. We'll read them again. 9 through 11. This call to be local, to be all in where you are. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. and No one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Now, if you know much about... Paul's ministry, 18 months is an eternity for the Apostle Paul. That's like you committing to stay somewhere for 50 years. Because he's just go, go, go. That was his ministry. He was always moving on to the next place, to the next place, to the next place. He went up staying in Corinth for a year and six months, probably a little bit longer. It's the longest he'll stay anywhere except for one other willfully, willfully stay anywhere uh, in his ministry except for Ephesus, which will be another uh, place that he'll go to soon in the book of Acts. I think it's interesting, too, that towards the end of his ministry, after he spent as much of his ministry going and going and going, and one point to the next and the next to the next, that he begins to, to slow down. God tells him, like Sean Wood, stay where you are. Just stay where you are. I have people, I have a plan, I have a mission here in this place. And I want you to stay, stay where you are. That's not always the calling, by the way. God will sometimes call people, and he did for Paul early in his ministry, to go from place to place to place. But even as we go from place to place to place, the call is to invest the time that you have where you're at fully in that place. Here Paul's called to stay. We'll be in Acts uh, 1.8, Acts chapter 1 next week. We'll have this verse next week. But I want to just allude to something here. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. He says, but you will receive power. We talked about this at the very beginning of our service. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, I do think that oftentimes when we think about The call, the great commission, the call to go outward, we leave Jerusalem out in our minds, or at least we we see it as substandard if you've grown up in church. If you're new to the church, maybe you don't have that misconception. But we see the nations, right? Like that's mission, okay? And it is. The ends of the earth, might God call some of us there to the ends of the earth to go. We get Samaria, right? The people on the margins, the, those would have been enemies, people that weren't necessarily close to them. Okay, uh, that, that's noble to go, right? Judea, that's a little more regional. But Jerusalem, that's like across the street. That's like right here, right now. That's important too. It's not any less important than the ends of the earth. Many of us, in fact, the vast majority of us, at some point in our lives, if not already, especially in a place like West Virginia or Barbersville, we will spend large chunks of our life in one place. Some of us, generations after generation after generation in one place. That's not any less important. That's not any less in line with the mission than those who go to the deepest darkest places in the world stay is not a just called the call to stay is not a lesser call but at the same time it, it, what we can do when we hear live local right as the title of the sermon we start to think of things like well i'm going to sh- shop small businesses or i'm going to be involved in the community events don't don't marginalize that to this either It will include things like that. I mean, it it will, I think in some ways for some of us, it will include things like that. Being engaged in the, the community itself. But that's downstream from what I'm saying is a commitment in your life, in my life, that we say when it comes to our relationship with Jesus and our living on mission for the kingdom of God, wherever we are, we will be all there. Wherever we are, we will be all there. That's what we mean when we say be local. Be committed to where you are. We desire to see us marked by this. One of the ways we, we wrote this is, is here's to being local. While many folks often leave small towns for bigger cities and all they have to offer, and eventually maybe uh, that's probably going to be part of some of your lives. This is not throwing shade on that, but there are seasons and there are those who stay. We count ourselves among those people, right? Like you might not be those people long term, all of you, but for now you're those people. This is where you are. You've been called to stay here for at least for now. We count ourselves among those people and we don't think less of ourselves for it. We've been called to this place. We've been called to stay. While West Virginia's population decreases, the need for the gospel does not. Might God call even more folks to stay, to stand in the gap in the sometimes forgotten places with the name of Jesus lifted high? Be local. But not just the the GR. It's not enough just to stay. We have to be faithful as we do. And Paul shows us an example of that. In the first seven verses of chapter 18, we observe Paul staying. In Corinth, we watch him do some things and and not do some things, and we can pick up some ideas of what it means for us to be committed to stay where we are, to be all in in these places. Verses 1 and 2 say, After this, Paul left Athens. He's on the move. He went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus. He's the husband, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, who was the fourth emperor of Rome, had commanded the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. So the short version of the the story is that Priscilla and Aquila, this married couple, they're Jews, probably from Jerusalem or Judea somewhere. They've relocated to Rome. They've been spending their life there. They're followers of Jesus. And now the uh, Roman emperor Claudius says, no more Christians, y'all are stirring up too much here in Rome, you, uh, you guys are weird, you guys are a hassle, I don't want you around. So he kicks them out, right? That's exactly how it happened, just like that. <laughs> just joking, there was way more involved, but they, they're gone, they have to leave. So they travel from Rome, now they're in Corinth, Paul finds out that they're there, and he doesn't just like shoot them a text message and say, hey, welcome to Corinth, I'm praying for you. He goes, he sits with them. He's going to invest his life with them. One part of staying where you are, being committed to the place where God has put you right now, being all in, is investing in people. I'm not talking about social networking or business networking. I'm not talking about, you know, being liked by a whole bunch of people or being known by a whole bunch of people. I'm talking about authentic relationships with people committed to being vulnerable, generous, consistent with Jesus at the center. Okay, that's a calling. I should turn my phone off. That's a calling for all of us that we would, where we are right now, be committed to relationships. Maybe not dozens of people, but a few people close to you who you can be vulnerable with, generous with, consistent with, invest in life. And that can be hard, right? especially if you come from somewhere else and God's called you to stay here for a certain season of your life and now you have to build some relationships knowing that maybe in the future you're going to be called to move forward to somewhere else. Paul doesn't at this point yet, right? Remember we read his calling to stay uh, comes after these verses actually. And he's already investing himself vulnerably and intimately with people. Do that. That's part of, of being... Committed to be uh, be wherever you are, being all there. Another thing he does is he leverages his skills and his career. Verse three, and because he was of the same trade as Priscilla and Aquila, he stayed with them and worked. For they were tent makers by trade, so they started Coleman tents. That's the that's their brand. Actually, <laughs> I'm joking, uh, but they were tent makers. It's a lot bigger business back then than it is now. But they would, uh, whether it was out of animal skins or leather or fabric, who knows, but they would make these tents. This was probably how Paul was brought up. His dad was likely, we don't know this for sure, but likely a tent maker. He probably picked up that trade. It was like riding a bike. He sees Priscilla and Aquila there. That's how they're going to make money. He's making tents. He says, hey, I, I grew up doing that. I'm going to join you. He actually stays there, lives becomes the third wheel in their relationship. He moves into to Priscilla and Aquila's home, and they start making tents together. Now, here's what I mean by leveraging it, though. He's going to use this and this, his talents in several ways, not just his speaking talents. He's going to use those, too. Here's the point I'm making, right, just to be explicit. Wherever you are, be all there. Part of that is leveraging your talents, your skills, your career for others. That's what Paul does his his skills and career are not for himself. He's not using it only for himself. He's using it for the sake of others. One of the things he's going to do is he's going to free up the church's budget because he's not going to draw a salary. Another thing that he's going to do is he's going to form a discipleship relationship with Priscilla and Aquila as he works alongside them. There's other opportunities you can assume came from that too as he meets people, as he's, uh, selling tents and, and working for different clients. He's able to make connections and he sees all of them as gospel opportunities. And here's another important piece. His career and his skills are not his identity. Okay. That's just for free. But notice when, if you follow the life of Paul, his identity is always servant of Jesus. That's what he's worried about. Servant of Jesus. So he's able to hold his career loosely in that sense. If you're going to leverage your career for the kingdom of God, if you're going to leverage your skills for the kingdom of God, there will inevitably at times be things that you'll do that are a little bit risky. Maybe don't further your career as much as as it would if you were willing to cut corners or be uh, out of line with what the Bible calls us to. So there'll be a sense where it might cost you something. And if your career is your identity, if all you are is wrapped up in your career, then you won't follow Jesus in those moments. You'll follow the career. And so he's not wrapped up in the, the career as his identity. A third of your life is spent working, roughly. If you have a, a, a job, a full-time job, a third of your life will be spent working. If you're a stay-at-home parent parent, it's going to be more than a third of your life spent working on that task. Don't waste it. Leverage those things where you're at, where you are for the sake of the kingdom. Invest yourself in people. Leverage your career. Leverage your, your skills. We say this sometimes too. Where you are is not an accident. We get that. One place we see that is Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I mean, honestly, the truth of that is where you are in your career, where you are as a uh, stay-at-home parent, where you are, whatever you're doing, you leverage your skills in town, it's not an accident. You're carrying the gospel where others cannot. It's important. Third thing we see from him, go a little Kenny Rogers here it, Apostle Paul knows when to hold them, and he knows when to fold them. This means something. This is important. This is verses 4 through 6 of chapter 18. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. This is what he's doing. He's working, making tents throughout the week. And then on the weekends, he's an itinerant preacher in the synagogues of Corinth. And he tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks in the outer courts of the of the synagogue, there would be Greeks there as well. And so he's, he's able to, to preach to uh, lots of people. And when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying in particular to the Jews that Christ was Jesus, that the Christ was Jesus, the Messiah promised in the Old Testament Jews who believe in the Old Testament. That promised Messiah has come. His name was Jesus. He lived, died was buried, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, believe in him, preach the gospel to him. He would do this in every town he went to practically. He would start at the synagogue preaching to the Jews. But inevitably, he always ended up at the Gentiles, as we read in verse 6. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out the garments, his garments and said to them, this is really kind, your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he does a ministry shift. He shifts from being fully committed, right, or, or maybe primarily committed to witnessing and sharing the gospel with the Jews to primarily sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. Now, here's what I mean. In life in general, and you've, if you live long enough, you've already experienced this. There are times in your life, whether it's a relationship someone you're trying to share the gospel with, maybe a ministry that you're trying to involve yourself in or even start from the ground up where you feel like you're beating your head against a wall at some point, okay? I guarantee you Paul felt that way about the Jews that he was preaching to. They didn't just become all of a sudden reviling him and opposed to him. There was some tough sledding before that. It didn't just become that automatically. There were probably weeks upon weeks where he felt like he was getting no traction, beating his head against the wall. Through the wisdom of God, he knew when to hold him. And he knew when to fold him. And, and earthly wisdom's not going to help you here. Because there's going to be some people, right? Like you're investing in that, that relationship with somebody and it just feels like it's getting nowhere. They they don't care about Jesus anymore than they did before. Or they're they're not growing at all. Or it's a family member that just oh, it's just exhausting and you stick with them. And people are going to tell you there'll, there'll be a group of people in one ear saying you're wasting your time. Let it go. Move on. Take care of yourself. And if that's the words of men, they're, they're, that's wrong. Hold, sometimes you got to hold it when it's difficult hold on. There's other times when you'll say, OK, God is leading me to to be released from this and you walk away from it and you have another set of people in your other ear saying you're soft you're weak why are you quitting why are you giving up so if you're not rooted in the wisdom of God which Paul was and that's what matters here you seek the lord with this if you're in a place right now where you right a certain scenario in your life where you're feeling like you're just not getting any traction look to the wisdom of god seek wisdom from the saints of god with the word of god opened the truth about God circulating through your mind and the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit speaking to you, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. All right, that's a random lesson, but it's there. It's right there. So invest in people, leverage your career and your skills, and hang on when God tells you to hang on and let go when God tells you to let go. And it all culminates with this idea that through it all, Paul stays on mission. Verse 7. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justice. I didn't make that up. It's in the word of God. That's all I'm going to say. But that's his name. Okay? That's his name. He was a worshiper of God. That's good news when you have a name like that. His house was next door to the synagogue. What you see happening here, beyond weird naming of children is that God has changed the geography in which Paul is going to be not completely still in Corinth, but he's going to a new place. He's preaching to a new audience. There's all this upheaval. There's all this change. There's all this transition in his life, quite frankly. but What does he do? He stays on mission. The mission doesn't change. And that goes to be said, too, that if God calls you onward and God will call him eventually onward, another place. The mission doesn't die. The mission is still the same to be people who speak the truth of Jesus and live right. uh, Reflecting the character of Jesus everywhere we go. That's what we're committed to. And he stays on that mission through the ups, the downs, the wins, the losses, the transitions. He stays stays faithful. So we saw Be local, stay local. We we see now stay faithful. Here's to being faithful. Living local is not about grand gestures or one-time decisions, but instead it amounts to thousands of small and large choices made day after day after day to invest in relationships, to leverage your skills and your career, knowing when to release things and when to pursue things. Might God give us the grace to stay faithful where we are And might God raise up for himself even more faithful servants for the kingdom by his power through Mercy Village Church. And might generation after generation find us faithful and Jesus beautiful in these hills and wherever God takes us. Last one's be hopeful because you need that now. Right? I mean, in all honesty, and it's hard for me to put the weight on you, and I don't want to put the weight on you, though. Holy Spirit can put the weight on you of what it means To be fully committed to wherever you are, be all there. I can't get into the specifics of each one of your lives of what that means, but it's not easy. If you hear it as easy, then you're not hearing what God's saying. It's not easy. And to stay faithful in those places is not easy. So where does our hope lie? And Paul helps us see that too. Verse 10, this is God speaking to him. For I am with you, he says. No one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. He says, root yourself in the promises of God, Paul. Remember the promises of God. That will be where your hope is. One, God is with you. Might that be enough for us? In the ups and the downs and this life, God is with you. His presence is promised. He promises protection for him. And it's true as well. The Bible says, for the child of God, not a hair of your head falls from it without God overseeing the circumstances and situations of your life. I don't believe that. I'm not allowed to say that? That's hard to believe. God says, you got to believe that, Paul, that I'm protecting you. I am with you. I am looking after you. That's the truth. And then the kingdom of God will come to pass. There's more people in this city. I'm going to save them. I'm going to turn their dead hearts, uh, replace their hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. And so in the fruitless seasons, as you're staying local and staying faithful, stay rooted in the promises of God. And and out of that comes fearlessness for Paul. This is the other call that God has for him in verse 9. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid but go on speaking and do not be silent. What's interesting about it is he says, go on doing what you're doing. Don't be afraid, go on doing what you're doing. I call this ordinary fearlessness. The day-to-day things of this life. Keep doing what God has called you to do, big or small. Teachers, keep teaching. Keep drawing those kids close, right? Even if it feels like there's no change in their lives, keep with it, keep at it. Keep loving your neighbor, even if it feels like there's just nothing is changing in their life. Maybe it's even getting tense. Keep doing it. Live the ordinary things day by day that you're already doing with Jesus at the center. Investing in relationships requires vulnerability. Keep doing it fearlessly. Leveraging your career might cost you. Keep doing it fearlessly. Knowing when to hold on to things requires tenacity. Keep doing it. Knowing when to let go of things requires being open to loss. Keep being faithful to do it. All while staying on mission. And this is the promise. It's as old as, it's as old as God himself. I mean, we go back, which is eternal. He speaks it through Isaiah 41 verses 8 through 10. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Expect fearlessly that God is, know fearlessly that God is with you and expect big things. Verse 8, God does big things. Crispus, another great name. He's a chip maker. In case you were wondering. He was the ruler of the synagogue. Remember what happened? Paul ceremoniously shakes off his, garments and says, I'm done with you, jokers. Not a single one of you is ever going to believe in Jesus. I'm gone. I'm going to talk to the Gentiles, man. And as he walks away, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, raises his hand, says, wait, I want to believe. He believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Completely unexpected. Not in the script. So unlikely. Christmas will go on, according to church history, to become a bishop in the church. He'll be martyred for his faith. (laughs) Paul saw God accomplish big things. And all he did was just keep doing what he was doing. Stay faithful. He made tents. He invested himself in people. He taught the gospel in places where God led him to until God led him to other places in the city. He held on when it was intense, and he let go when God called him to let go. Faithful. Day by day. A regular job. Speaking the word of God. Investing in people's lives. Nothing crazy. Nothing insane, normal, everyday, fearless faithfulness. And our God is unstoppable. And that's our hope. God saves people. And that's our hope. So here's the staying hopeful. Here's the being hopeful. Appalachia in general and West Virginia in particular, you know, this is plagued by their own mountain of problems that sometimes seem insurmountable. But hear me today. The arm of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save. We're banking on this. We're filled with hope as the gospel is proclaimed in word and displayed in deed that redemption and renewal will be be brought to bear in the mountain state through Christ alone. We stay hopeful. So where we are right now, we invest ourselves. We stay local for now. As long as God has called us to be here, we're here. We stay faithful while we're in this place and we stay hopeful rooted in the promises of God and looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus. You talk about somebody who stayed local, stayed faithful, stayed hopeful. Maybe you've heard this before, Dr. James Allen Francis. Here is a man, Jesus, who was born in an obscure village as a child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. And then for three years was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one or any of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. Again, this is humanly speaking. Obviously, we know Jesus is the son of God traveled more than 200 miles from his home. But to the world, this is what they saw. While he was a uh, still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away, one of them denied him, another betrayed him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through a mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. His executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on the entire earth while he was dying. His coat When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Now, you know the end of the story, but everybody was watching at the time. All they saw was an ordinary man whose ordinary life ended, right? Those who thought he was a great preacher are now wondering. Those who thought he was a miracle worker who believed that are now wondering, is that really who he was? It's all crashing down, but 19 wide centuries have come and gone. And today he is the center of the human race and leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched and all the navies that have ever been built and all the parliaments that have ever sat and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as this one solitary life. That's Jesus. It's our hope. When you're changing diapers and you want to tie that into the kingdom of God, that's your hope. When you're pouring into your marriage on a week when marriage is just driving you insane, right? Like that's your hope. When you're investing at your job and your coworkers who this week are outrageously annoying and you're still trying to show them what Jesus looks like anyway, that's our hope. In our ordinary lives, day by day, ordinary lives is Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, that is your hope today. Jesus, Son of God, crucified for sinners, death, arrested, right? The punishment for sin, death. Jesus made a way for your sins to be forgiven so that death need not be your end, but instead eternal life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Believe on Jesus today. Be saved. If you have questions about what that looks like, what that means, I'd love to talk with you. I'll I'll be around. Saints, might we intentionally invest ourselves where we are today? Might that be who we are Wherever you are, be all there for the kingdom of God. Your marriages, your homes, your families, your neighborhoods, your careers, they matter. A couple things. Choose satisfaction. Strive to be satisfied where you are. That is hard work sometimes. That starts with being satisfied with Jesus, not your circumstances. Your circumstances will ebb and flow, come and go, ups and downs. Jesus remains the same yesterday, today and forever. Be satisfied with him and be satisfied with the situations that surround you. This is bolstered, by the way, your satisfaction will be bolstered if you gather with the people of God and you celebrate what God's doing in your life regularly. If you remember it, you think about what he's done in the past and you think about what he's doing right now. You count your blessings, you'll see satisfaction grow and side of you, even if you're in circumstances that are hard to be satisfied with. So choose satisfaction. Be present. Be all in. Don't be waiting for the next thing. Be present today. I'm not always good at this. I'm not looking to move anywhere, but I'm looking to move on from whatever this thing is my kids telling me about as they drone on and on and on. I want to be done with this conversation. Be present. Be all in, where you are, whatever the situation is. It requires intentionality. Be in real community. You're going to survive, right, in this life, staying local, staying faithful. If you have people in your life you can be vulnerable with, that you can be open and honest with, with the gospel at the center, and keep Jesus at the center of, of it all. I know that sounds like such a trite, kind of the right thing for a pastor to say, but success will be measured by our faithfulness to the gospel. Not how the community thinks this church is cool or something. Well that's probably never going to happen. But even if it did, right? Like that's not success for us. How creative our outreach is, that's not our success. Being faithful to the gospel is our success. Wherever God leads you, be all in. Where you are. On mission with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, might we be people deeply committed to the place where you've brought us as long as you keep us here. We each have streets that we live on. Many of us have jobs that we go to. Many of us have families that we interact with on a regular basis. Some of us on a daily basis. We have friends co-workers, et cetera. The list goes on and on. All of us, unique circles of people that we are with, and you've called us to this place. For how long? Who knows? But today is one of those days. This week will be one of those weeks where you've called us to be here. Might we be all in? We live our lives displaying Jesus. You've got to do that work in us. You've got to make us love Jesus, you've got to make us see Jesus, and you got to make us act like Jesus. Do that for us. So that the world around us that is hopeless apart from Jesus sees the beauty of Jesus and responds to it. And even give us that opportunity to be those people, who have those conversations with people in our lives about what it means to respond to the beauty of Jesus and faith for Salvation. Do that work. (laughs) We can't do that work without your help. It's in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts. We exist to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone. And we'd love for you to experience what God is doing as Jesus builds Mercy Village Church. Connect with us online at www.mercyvillage.church.